So what's good, y'all? It's your boy, The Lost African. Um, I wanted to make sure I made the podcast about the three keys to, for my community, the three keys to black wealth. This is the keys to wealth, so you don't have to be Afro or black to understand it. But, of course, I'm trying to support my community, as you guys know. Uh, so I called it the three keys to black wealth to inspire my people. Now... The three keys to black wealth that I consider are real estate, entrepreneurship, or a business, because entrepreneurship and business go hand in hand, and stocks. And I'll break them down in different ways and how they're pretty much all similar, because they all go back to putting income into your hands and your community, you know, creating diversity through different streams of income to make your community thrive over generations. That is the basic concept of how to create generational wealth. Now, um, entrepreneurship and business. So entrepreneurship and business, real estate and stocks are not easy. So entrepreneurship and business, you have to identify your passion. You have to identify your passion and then you have to implement that passion into an industry. And you have to understand what the demand is, where your passion fits for that demand, and what you can supply to the consumer or the people or your customers, clients, whatever terms you like to use. And then you go from there. So learning what your niche is or learning how to market yourself is a great way to push your entrepreneurship, your business, your brand. You know, what do people like to see? What is the trend? How can you relate to people? You know, there's a a there's a you know, a group for everyone, you know. But if you can be universal, that's a greater form of income for you and your business. Um none of these things can necessarily make you rich overnight but during the long term keeping the push keeping that drive keeping that passion which is why passion is so important doing any of these things you can become wealthier and you can increase your value and your your income um you're going to have to budget out with any business any entrepreneurship business you have to budget out uh your labor if you're gonna have a team and have employees you're gonna have to budget out the supplies no matter what industry you're in there's the cost of supplies and how much it's gonna cost to keep that that inventory in stock and then you're gonna have to budget out the overhead or basically that place that place whether you have a physical place or an online place that overhead of how much it costs to let's say you had an online business right how much does it cost for you to continuously run um your business through through fees uh for them to keep the website up and running each month uh how much does it cost to i mean shipping kind of goes into supplies but just the whole 360 is basically your overhead 
then we were about to transition into real estate. So real estate's a little different. Um, there is an overhead with everything. There is a form of, of supplies and there is a form of labor cost. Uh, but it starts with you. So to give my audience, my lovely audience, uh, a little deeper meaning behind me is that I've been trying to do real estate by my first building for a while. So I learned a lot of the ins and outs. And I talked about this in my Afroeconomics week. Um, a lot of things that you can do with the, with the stimulus check. So in regards to real estate, say you, you had the passion for real estate, man, you want to change your lifestyle, you want to change how you live, you want to create income, residual income for yourself. You saved up enough money for the down payment, and they send you the stimulus check. They send you for America, it's probably like twelve hundred. That's enough for what they call the earnest deposit. Now, the earnest deposit is basically the security deposit. It's like security deposit when you rent. So, the earnest deposit is a a safety net saying that you are invested or you're truly invested in buying this property so you drop the earnest deposit to let the buyer know i mean to let the seller know that you know i'm interested in this property this is still the contract also for both sides saying that they won't sell it to anyone else and that you're going to buy it so that's for both sides it's to seal the contract up uh, i believe it's about 14 days saying that you're going to buy it, you're truly invested in this property, and that he won't sell it to anyone for the duration of the contract, so like 14 days or so. Um, but with real estate, there's, there's a lot of things that you, you have to learn. There's a lot of uh, guidelines for whatever you're going to do, even even if you buy a house, real estate is a 360 thing. It's not just apartment buildings; it's it's agricultural. There's land and how you lease and and make money off land or rent out land. There's commercial. There's industrial. Industrial is warehouse. Commercial is all the corporation buildings. Real estate is a is a a vast. It's not just a a, a, a one trick pony. There's developers, subdivisions, how 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 the suburbs were created. That's through real estate. Uh, developers picked out this uh, plot of or acres of land, and they created a breakdown saying that okay, this section of this plot is going to be uh, business. This section of this plot is going to be uh, residential, where the houses and the parks parks, and there's going to be agriculture. There might be a garden in there things of that nature and then there may be industrial where they they build plants uh you know to to advance that community um so to give you a little breakdown as far as it's going into the certain steps you would need they're going to they're going to run their credit to see and i don't want people to get scarce when they like well my credit isn't great my credit isn't isn't um 700 or so I want, especially for my community and everyone else, everyone, all the other people who are part of my community, white, brown, Asian, I want you guys to understand this. Your credit isn't everything, okay? Your credit just isn't the top notch thing that decides everything, okay? It's a portion 
doesn't the end all be all, okay? So I'll give you an example, right? Qualifications for like a down payment uh, assistance program that I was in said that you needed a 580 or higher to be eligible, right? So I was like, what? Only a 580? Exactly. So I mean that this is what I mean when I say your credit, your credit score doesn't have to be great for you to get that, that help or that leverage out of it, okay? It just has to show that you're reliable. That's all it means. You don't need a 700 to prove that you're reliable. If you have a 580, and to go into deeper just about credit for a second, a 580 credit score, like say if you were going to lease a, uh, or going to, to buy a new car, a 580, a person who has a 580 and you have like a 620, sounds like a lot when you say it, right? It sounds like, oh, his credit, his credit is so much better than mine. You literally have the same interest rate. So whatever you're paying for whatever terms or amounts of months is exactly what he's paying, right? But wait, he has a six something. That's what I mean. It, it isn't as important as, as people try to make it up to be. It is, it is a step. It is a part of the process, but it isn't as important. So moving on. So they'll run your credit to see how reliable you are. Because really all your credit report says is that you pay this stuff on time. You're a reliable uh, client that will pay back the loan over this amount of time, whatever the loan is um, set for. In the terms of real estate, it'll be 30 years, uh, 15 year, or even like a five or two year. Um, depending on the, the loan amount, the LOV, the loan to value amount, the LTV, my bad, LTV. Um, when you're doing real estate, you have to look at the LTV, the loan to value amount, the um, debt to income ratio. So that determines on how much debt you have to compare to how much income you have, which assesses the pretty much the amount of the loan that they're willing to give you saying that okay well you have this much that you can you can um, you can maintain or you won't struggle to pay this loan back if we add this amount of debt on top basically um, There's your repair costs, so your after repair costs, or A, the ARC. Uh, that is calculated after you buy the building, and you have to put that into the budget saying that, okay, it's going to cost this much to repair the facility. Now, that'll probably be costly overhead because there's always going to be something that, you know, you just can't calculate into the first the first years or so you have to be you know aware of that you're not going to get everything but if you have a safety net a budget with that safety net then you can pretty much prepare for almost anything almost um insurance there's mortgage insurance when you actually buy the loan you have to be aware of that uh, mortgage insurance is just to protect the the assets of the the lender that's really what that is. Um, most lenders will tell you, um, you know, if you have more than twenty percent or ten percent down, then they, there's no real they they won't they won't put the mortgage insurance in there. Basically, stating that okay, you 
you have enough money, you're, you're you know, you're stable to the point where okay, we we don't really need the mortgage insurance. The mortgage insurance is really just to protect them on, on their on their money. Um, with those, I wonder things that you have to look into. Um, if you're doing this for income, because all of this is about income, residual income. Um, how will you maintain that income? A very important thing I want people to remember is that there are always times, no matter how, even if you run your business very well, there are always going to be times where you may not have clientele. There may be a, a drought. Considering right now, as far as the pandemic, there is a drought going on. So not a lot of people can afford to pay their rent. You have to look towards government assistance to keep the mortgage up. So a very important thing that I want everyone to remember if you're doing real estate like I am is be make sure you're able to pay the mortgage on your building, your house, however you're doing the residual income, whether it's through a house or a building, that you have the financial means to pay the mortgage without your tenants. So without your tenants, if you didn't, if your tenants weren't able to pay, or when paying full, you're able to pay your mortgage. Because as long as you are, you can get through the storm. You know what I mean? Um, what else do you guys need to know off top? If they'll run your credit, uh, they'll assess your financial, your debt to income, your finances. Uh, you'll, depending on the term, like there are good terms out there right now for 15-year mortgages. 15-year mortgage is probably at the lowest uh, term rate right now, especially if you want to refinance. Let's say you got final ads for 30 year and you want to refinance for 15 year, you pretty much probably get the same rate. Uh, they're, they're giving out great loans for money right now if you have the means behind it. Now, what I want people to realize is that there are programs to help first-time home buyers, whether it's to buy a house, whether it's to buy a building. There are programs out there to um, help first-time home buyers. Now, of course, you have to do a little extra work, but it will be worth it if you can hold out the grind. That's why I say passion for all of this is very important. How bad do you want to be successful? How bad do you want to change your life? It's very important. Um, and don't give up. So there are programs to help you out. But realistically, I want to always be honest and, and truthful with my audience. Realistically, they would like you to have, on average, ten thousand dollars down now do you necessarily need that no that's just the roundabout number that they would like for you to have it's it's three and a half percent of whatever your loan amount is basically so if it's two hundred thousand it'll be close to like ten thousand dollars or nine thousand dollars something it's three and a half percent down of whatever the loan amount is you're going for basically always remember that the technical term is three percent down or whatever it is Whatever the loan amount is, 3.5% down. Now, usually the biggest amount that people go for is like $3,000, $300,000. So that'd be about $10,000, $15,000. That's just for your down payment. Now, depending on what type of loan you're going for, if you're going for a 203K, that is a rehab loan. 203K is a rehab loan in real estate. That is a loan that you'll get if you're trying if you find a fixer-upper. Uh, they do have stipulations. I read over some of the guidelines depending on 
Uh, if you need a place to stay, that'll be covered in the loan amount as long as they, as long as it's feasible. Um, if the place isn't livable at that time, uh, they have a space to where uh, they can cover uh, your living finances. Please read over this. Oh, full disclaimer: whenever I'm talking about anything, please do your own fact checks. Do not um, take anything that I say as a factual statement, as concrete evidence. Please do your own fact checks. Anything that I talk about in regards throughout this episode or my entire show, whatever episode I drop, it is strictly for educational and entertainment purposes or inter- informational purposes. But please do your own fact checks. Make your own. Make sure you check your own statuses. Talk to a financial advisor. I am not a financial advisor. These are just my opinions on everything that I've learned and picked up so far being integrated into these industries. I just want to make that statement to my audience before they start saying, oh, well, the lost African said, no, no, no. This is based on my experiences and my opinions working in these industries. And when I say working, that means I've been trying to buy my building, so I've been integrating myself into these industries. I've gone through the whole down payment assistance program, uh, working with a realtor, learning about debt and income ratios, uh, the after repair value costs, the overhead costs, the you know labor costs, and material costs. And so I've, I've been invested in this for a while. Doing entrepreneurship or trying to run a business, I've done that in the sense of that I've created my own promotional business and I've actually grown and helped assistant in throwing like a couple of parties. So so I've I've integrated and have I have experience in these things, those those first few steps that you take trying to get out into the world. So I have experience in these things. I'm not a a veteran, not a master yet. But I can tell you the the do's and the don'ts that I've experienced. You know, don't, as much as you want to see, please do all your fact checking. Um, don't take the word of gurus or even if they tell you that they have 20 years experience. Uh, there are ways to where you can budget and save your money so you don't spend as much if you, you understand what I mean. That goes the same for stocks. We're going to transition over to stocks now. Um, Because all of these things, pretty much the way you go about it, pretty much the same guidelines. Um, When it goes into stocks, there are different ways to make residual income in stocks. The way you make residual income in real estate is leasing or renting out a building, leasing or renting out, um, leasing or renting out land or space. out or rent out land or space, you lease out or rent out a warehouse, you lease out or rent out uh, a building, that creates residual income. So your tenant or or your client or employee pays pays the mortgage. And then by them paying the mortgage, you save money. So since you don't have to pay the mortgage, especially if you live there, that's the beauty of living in your building, Uh, especially if you live there, you can then reinvest that money into your entrepreneurship or your business or reinvest that money into the stock market. 
Um, and the same with the stock market. The way you make residual income through the stock market is mainly through dividend stocks. Dividend stocks is the alternate version of when you have a a tenant in a building. So with dividend stocks, you're investing your money into this company and the company is paying you back for that investment through the form of dividend payments. They're saying they appreciate the value that you put in the company and through the profits that they gain, they're going to send you a payment, whether it's annually or it could be month to month. It all depends on the company themselves on what they pay out. But dividend stocks are a great way to have residual income frequently. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't grow profits or have income in any way, shape, or form through stocks in general because that is called overall growth or gains. They call it gains when you go into your portfolio um, and things like that. They'll say you have, these are the gains that you've made since you started investing in that company. stocks you really have to be educated and and decide with everything decide how you're going to get into the entrepreneurial space decide what business you're going to do decide how you're going to get into real estate decide if you're going to do a house if you're going to do a building if you're going to do this and that these options and all these things you also have to decide where you're going to get in or how you're going to do or invest in stocks because there are different ways to invest in stocks I am a long-term investor, so the way I think about my stocks when I'm investing in anything, I'm thinking about the long-term growth. Um, I don't need instant gratification, which is one of the words that they use. I don't need that that overnight success. I'm, I'm more so, you know, is this company going to be wealthy in the next five years? Then I can, you know, place my money here while it's low. You know, kind of a, a ground game go-getter. Uh, I'm a long-term investor. There are short-term investors. Short-term investors really, to me, are day traders. Those are the people who day trade. Um, you know, overnight, they'll be like, okay. They'll buy, for example, I'll use a common one. Uh, Apple, right? So they'll buy an Apple stock at 100 a share just using numbers for example they'll buy apple stock for 100 a share right so they're estimating that apple will go up within the next day or not necessarily a day or within the next week or so seven days or so they're estimating that apple will go up to 300 dollars a share so they'll buy about 10 shares at a thousand dollars and they're trying to quadruple or double or however much the gains go uh, within that seven-day period, so those are day traders. They're estimating, or they're factoring in, um, you know, the trend. The trend factors into that. Uh, what the company's doing, how they're managing their money. Um, a couple things go into how you factor in the possibility of these companies being success. Even for me, being a long-term trader, I have to factor in: are people, are the consumers or people buying this company? Or they're using the things that they're creating, whether it's clothes, tech, uh, you know. Is this company uh, viable or reliable enough for me to invest in? Whether it's long-term or short-term day trading. You can also do lease options, well not lease options, uh, stock options. 
Uh, so there are many ways to get into uh, real estate, stocks, entrepreneurship. But all these things, going back to the key reason why I say these are the three keys to wealth, especially to black wealth, is because these things create residual income that can be put back into our community and that we can thrive and use to create other things. With these streams of income, these streams of revenue, we can build that infrastructure, that base, that community to where we do not have to rely on other people. We can start making, creating our own businesses, entrepreneurship, so we can employ and hire our own people. This is not us being selfish. This is not us saying that we don't like everyone else. This is us saying that we are going to support our people and we are truly going to support our people. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. If all the other people do it, why can't we do it? We have to join, the, we have to catch up with the rest of the world and be the greatness that we are, which is why I teach the heritage and the culture is so important to me because it creates that mindset that you are great. You being black is beautiful. You are amazing. And I want that to show in every which way or form. In, in, in the way we walk, in the way we talk, in the way we educate ourselves, in the way we do business. Black wealth is important. And it's one of the keys for us to get out from under this rock that the world has placed on us and that the mentality that we've been placed on ourselves we have to change the way we see things, the way we see each other. That is one of the other things that I want to talk about really quickly before I go. We have to change the black standard, the mentality of the way we see our brothers and sisters. And I'm not just talking about here in America. I mean black people across the world. We are one black nation. We all have the same melanin skin and our ancestors root back to the motherland. So we have literally the same family in some way, shape, or form. So we should not see each other as so different. There is nothing wrong with having individuality in the heritage when it comes to like the islands, the Haitians, the Jamaicans, or even when it comes to the UK, the Black Britons, the Black Europeans. There's nothing wrong with having your own individuality, but when we see each other, whether I'm American or I'm Afro-American or you're Afro-European or you're Afro-Caribbean or you're Afro-Latino or you're Afro-Asian, when we see each other, we still should have a general love for one another because our melanin skin is beautiful and it's the same in regards to that nature. We should all love being black or being Afro. It's the same thing. No matter if you say the term black or Afro, you should not see one term as positive and the other term as negative. It's the same thing. Even when you say melanin, same thing. Love your beautiful brown and black skin. Those are the three keys to, to wealth. I just want to give you a quick insight. Uh, I'll break them down individually when I have more time. But that is where I think that we should start next alone to loving each other. And I'll holler at y'all later. I'm your boy, Lost African. Please go follow me on YouTube, on Facebook. Facebook and YouTube, it's The Lost African. Here on the podcast, thanks to my sponsors, Anchor, Breaker, uh, Radio Public, and my top one, don't take this wrong, Anchor. I love you too. But Spotify. Spotify is a huge platform. You can follow me on Spotify, Lost African. Um, and I'll holler at y'all later. Appreciate you.